Hey, listeners of the Bio Report, I want to tell you about a new member benefit from the California Technology Council. CTC has teamed with Reprovada to offer members six months of Reprovada's COT Network service for free, which gives companies the power of a VPN at a fraction of the cost. A remote, flexible workforce is the new normal, but most corporate networks aren't built to accommodate work from home at scale. Reprovada's COT Network offers an easily deployable, affordable, and scalable solution to securely enable remote workers and protect the corporate network. To learn more about this and other member benefits, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Bacteriophages have long been used to treat infections. These naturally occurring viruses are capable of killing bacteria, but each strain of phage is highly specific. Because of their unique mechanism of action, they provide a potential to address the growing threat posed by multidrug-resistant bacteria. But to treat someone, the right phage must be matched to each patient's infection. Adaptive phage therapeutics believes it's found a way to create phage therapy suited to treat patients with drug-resistant infections by building a bank of targeted and genomically screened bacteriophage and testing individual patients' bacterial colony against that to determine the appropriate phage to treat them. We spoke to Greg Merrill, co-founder and CEO of Adaptive Phage Therapeutics, about the origins of the company how its technology works, and the regulatory hurdles for producing customized therapies to treat individual patients. Greg, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. We're going to talk about adaptive phage therapeutics, phage therapy, and the potential to harness these naturally occurring viruses to treat multidrug-resistant bacteria. Let's start with the problem of multidrug-resistant bacteria today. How significant a public health threat does it represent, and, and what's the market opportunity? Well, you know, the, uh, the problem, unfortunately, is very significant. The World Health Organization projects that by 2050, drug-resistant bacterial infections will outpace cancer as the leading killer on Earth. So it's not something to be taken lightly. It's um, it's becoming a major problem. And in terms of market size, is there any way to calculate that? Really, the market size is in the trillions of dollars, but for us at Adaptive Phage Therapeutics, we're looking at some of the, the really significant unmet needs and focusing on those as, a, as an early-stage biotech. We have to be focused. So we're looking at clinical indications such as uh, multi-drug resistant pneumonia, which is a big issue right now uh, as we're, we're battling with this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the secondary infections uh, of uh, lung infections are a particular concern. So 
Um, this is an area where phage therapy can really have an impact when antibiotics start to become uh, a problem in terms of uh, bacterial resistance. Other, other areas include uh, areas where there are uh, biofilm-related infections, such as with implanted devices like prosthetic joints and, and catheters um, and recurring urinary tract infections. In all, just the first four markets that we're going after uh, represent more than $3 billion of a truly addressable market opportunity in the U.S. alone. Face therapy has been around for a long time. Commercially, I don't think it ever ceased being available in Eastern Europe, but it ceased being widely used in the United States and Western Europe with the advent of penicillin and broad-spectrum antibiotics. What's brought phage therapy back to the drug development limelight? So that, that's exactly right, Danny. I mean, the, the phage were discovered before uh, antibiotics, before penicillin. Phage were really identified in the late 1800s. They weren't called phage yet, but, but they found there was something in the water in the Ganges River in India that was killing the bacteria, and people were able to drink the water even though upstream the water was incredibly contaminated with, uh, with, uh, with the bacteria. In, in 1915, the uh, phage were discovered to be viruses which could kill bacteria, and even in the 1920s and 30s, they were the predominant a way in which the pharmaceutical companies were pursuing therapy for bacterial infections. But the uh, discovery of penicillin in 1926 and then the introduction of penicillin in the early 1940s ahead of the Second World War really displaced phage because the phage were tricky. They, they are very narrow in their host range. So that means they'll, they'll work on some strains. They won't work on other strains of the same species which makes them very difficult to work with. And the, uh, the manufacturing of the phage involves growing these viruses in uh, bacteria. And the bacteria, when they're killed in that manufacturing process, uh, releases uh, toxins, endotoxins and exotoxins, which means that if you were just to use that material, uh, you would cause a toxic shock if you were trying to inject that into a person. So it's really limited the routes of administration early on to to oral or topical administration, and that really limited the efficacy of phage in those early days. And then because the antibiotics early on worked so well, there was really no need to try to resolve those problems uh, of phage therapy. But now, of course, the antibiotics are really struggling with the emergence of resistance, and, uh, and so you need an alternative. And here, phage, which is the most prolific killer of bacteria on Earth, is the natural direction to turn to find this alternative therapy. Well, given all those challenges, what makes phase therapy particularly attractive for multi-drug resistant bacteria? Well, as I mentioned, they are the most prolific killers of bacteria on Earth, and the mechanism in which they kill is that they'll inject their DNA into the bacteria and they replicate inside the bacteria and burst the bacteria open in a, in a lytic process. It's very different from the mechanism of action of antibiotics, so that even if a bacteria is completely resistant to antibiotics, it doesn't mean it has uh, any ability to resist the killing effect of the phage. So it's, it's a great way to counteract multidrug-resistant bacteria. 
But I, I'm anticipating your next question would probably be, well, then why doesn't the bacteria become resistant to the phage? And, and in fact, that is uh, what, what will happen is bacteria can quickly become resistant to phage. And so what we're doing at Adaptive Phage Therapeutics is we recognize that bacteria will always evolve resistance. And that's why we're in this crisis. Antibiotics have been an environmental pressure that has caused the bacteria to evolve resistance, and it'll do the same thing to phage or any other therapeutic approach. So the cure has to be able to adapt as the bacteria adapts, or it'll be doomed to obsolescence. And that's why we call the company Adaptive Phage Therapeutics, because we've built a library of these phage, and we're able to pick from that library the phage that will treat a particular patient's infection. And then on an ongoing basis, we can find new phage as necessary to add to that collection. So over time, this phage, Adaptive Phage Therapeutics, is actually increasing in spectrum of coverage. Should it be the first time ever that an antimicrobial approach has ever increased in spectrum of coverage over time? You co-founded the company with your father, Carl Merrill, who was a scientist at NIH and had done pivotal work on phage. The U.S. Navy's Biological Defense Research Directorate had launched an initiative based on a paper he wrote. What was that paper and what exactly did the Navy do to advance phage therapy? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, this phage has been the background music of my entire life. My father started doing work on bacteriophage in the mid-1960s, around the same time that I was born, and was doing basic research. And then uh, there was uh, an, an increasing crisis with the emergence of antibiotic resistance. And my father thought, well, we can overcome the prior historical challenges with phage therapy by building a phage library and doing this matching of the phage and patient's bacteria. And he wrote this paper in 2003, published it in Nature Drug Discoveries, and the basic concept was to build a phage library and to then match the phage to the patient. So he retired around that same time, and one of his uh, postdoctoral students, Dr. Bizoise, became the director of the Biodefense Research Directorate out of Fort Detrick. Um, as part of the Navy a biodefense program. And they were having an issue with the soldiers coming back from the Middle East, uh, from Iraq, with particularly um, an abumanii infection, which were not responding at all to antibiotics and, um, and had a very high mortality rate. There was actually a lot of amputations and deaths because of this, uh, this very uh, nasty uh, superbug infection. So the Department of Defense started building and really operationalizing my father's ideas of building this phage collection, which they called the phage bank. And in, that started around 2010. And then they developed the technology using machine vision systems to, uh, to uh, test hundreds of different phage from this phage bank collection against the patient's particular bacterial isolate. Um, and they called that system the host range quick test. And um, that happened around 2012. And this, this work was going along very nicely in the laboratory, but it was never used on a human until the lab in 2016, in March of 2016, received a phone call from Stephanie Strathy, who is the associate dean of the medical school at UC San Diego. 
And her, she and her husband had gone on a vacation at the end of 2015 uh, in, in Egypt on a river cruise down the Nile. And her husband, Tom Patterson, had contracted this Abumani infection and had, it became an invasive infection and he had slipped into a coma and was dying. He was, um, he was already starting to experience organ failure, had several bouts of septic shock, and there was nothing in the standard of care arsenal that was helping uh, Tom. So Stephanie found out about this research going on at Fort Detrick, part of the Navy Biodefense Program, and she asked them to try it on her husband. And uh, the treating physician, uh, Chip Schooley, Robert Schooley at UCSD, was able to uh, acquire an allowance from the FDA to try this phage therapy on an emergency basis. And on March 16th, they injected uh, phage that had been matched to Tom's specific strains of, of Abumani, and within 48 hours, he awoke from a four-month coma. It was, uh, it was an amazing, it was the first time ever that, that someone had uh, come out of, a, of an infection that was that invasive with Abumani. And it was one of the first times that a patient had ever been treated with an intravenous injection of phage therapy. It's a really a landmark case. And that was the beginning of what's become a real revolution in, uh, and resurgence in the interest in using phage to treat bacterial infection. What was the technology that your company acquired from the Navy? And what have you done to turn that into a, a commercial platform? So the technology was... Um, a way of, of collecting phage, and it was a phage collection, the phage bank. So we acquired the phage bank collection, and we acquired the technology for matching. But what makes the phage bank so uh, interesting from a technology standpoint is that the banking was done using a, a technique which allows for a broad spectrum of collection, very genetically diverse collection of phage. And those phage are then... Uh, Sequence. They're all uh, the sequences are all annotated, and you're able to screen out um, phage which potentially carry deleterious genes that could transmit uh, additional antibiotic resistance or other virulence factors. So, uh, sequencing was a was a major um, necessity and relatively uh, you know, new technology that was applied to this phage collection. And then the um, the uh, uh, pairing that library to this uh, this new machine vision system that allows for, for testing the phage uh, activity against the bacteria was an entirely new technology. But the the um, the key to moving that technology from a research project to a commercial platform involved a lot of process engineering and continues to involve a lot of process engineering where we can accelerate the delivery of the therapy and reduce the cost of this personalized therapy. So it doesn't have to be a just-in-time manufacturing. You match an individual patient's drug-resistant bacteria to a phase library to find potential treatment. How long does that take? Well, initially, when uh, the first patient, Tom Patterson, was treated, they ran this post-range quick test uh, assay uh, for 24 hours to make sure that the phage that was found to be lytic against his bacteria had a long enough killing effect to be therapeutically relevant. We've now, 
engineer that process down to eight hours, and we're using artificial intelligence to reduce that down to four hours or less to run this test, to test hundreds of different phage candidates against a particular bacterial isolate. So that's part of what has had to happen to make this uh, commercially viable platform. Um, the other thing that, that we found to be really beneficial from a commercial standpoint is to um, eliminate the entire step of manufacturing from the uh, critical path of treating the patient. And the way we've done that is we've taken the entire collection of hundreds of phage and we've started to manufacture all of them using GMP manufacturing uh, processes. So we get large batch productions. We have already established quality control procedures that are accepted by the FDA and we're able to produce single dose vials that are ready to inject into the patient. They're highly purified uh, and so the endotoxins have been removed. And, and by doing all of that, we're now able to deliver a personalized matched therapy within one day of uh, patient, patient presentation. What are the regulatory issues in this approach? As I imagine each patient would, in essence, be treated with a custom therapy. Is that right? Right. And that was one of the big questions when we started, was how is the uh, FDA going to regulate a very personalized therapy. And it's, it's more than just personalized in that this stage bank, which is now what we call the product, uh, it's changing over time. We're always adding new phage to this product. And so the FDA, you know, recognizing that we're in a worldwide crisis of antibiotic resistance, has really worked uh, with us very closely to figure out how to treat this from a regulatory standpoint. And what we're doing is we identified what the safety, potential safety issues could be with phage, and most of those are related to potential deleterious genes. So the sequencing and annotation and screening of the phage is something that we've negotiated with the FDA. So they, we, we provide the FDA with all that data so they can review it on an ongoing basis so that we can constantly be adding phage to this, uh, this product over time. And then they also review our manufacturing process and our lot to look at the endotoxins and other contaminants that happen from the manufacturing process. So those, those are key aspects to what the FDA uh, has needed to, to look at. And the FDA has now reviewed all of that and has uh, approved our first uh, IND clinical trial. So that's, that's really a major breakthrough for phage therapy in general. Greg Merrill, co-founder and CEO of Adaptive Phage Therapeutics. Greg, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.